Don't you love the Lord? Don't you love the Lord? you love the Lord? If they said yes, tell them then I fully expect you to act like it. Tell them don't make me carry the whole weight of this deal on this road. Don't you love your bishop, first lady? Oh yeah, come on. Yes. Give honor to them tonight. Thank the Lord for it. I'd like to make a small correction to something that was said. We did not drive down here today. He did. So uh, if you're going to have sympathy for anybody, have it all for him. Because he drove every stitch of the way. At times I appreciated that. Other times I wondered about that. <laughs> Multiple occasions on today, I would have just as soon been raptured. <laughs> but we made it. We set a land speed record. The last time we made that trip together, it was overnight in a snowstorm, and he drove all of that too. I was trying to get my little rest in today, and I told some friends of ours called, and we were all just chit-chatting, and I said a casual light tapping of the brakes at 45 is one thing, but that same light tapping of the brakes at a little accelerated speed <laughs> is a whole nother program and I just found it real hard to find a lot of peace <laughs> to go to sleep so I yet kept a vigil with him and uh, helped carry him over I, I love your bishop he is my friend and I hope that in some way I have been the same friend back to him. Give honor to these other men of God, Pastor Jackson, Pastor Nichols. Thank the Lord for them, all these men of God up here. You are blessed. You are blessed. Lord, if you would be so kind as to yet be patient with us just a few more minutes here. Because we have come again to the veil, we've touched it, we feel it. There's a determination in here and a hunger in here that if you'll help us, if you'll do for us what you did for the Old Testament priest, if you'll come down among us because you see as well as we do that we've done all we know to do. Up to this point, greater faith has fulfilled their part of scripture. Having done all to do, 
but stand. Stand, therefore. And yet again tonight, they are at that veil that separates the holy place from the holy of holies. And Lord, they keep coming week after week, day after day, service after service. They won't stop. And I'm telling you right now, you might as well go ahead and end this drought of the mundane tonight. You might as well go ahead and eradicate this normal now in Jesus' name. Because these people will not stop until they've gone beyond that veil. They've been beyond it before and they don't want to live on this side of it anymore. And while we understand that there are times we've got to go out into the courtyard, our heart is on the other side of that veil. Everything about who we are is on the other side of that veil. So on tonight, if you'll be patient with us, just a few more minutes. Ibahasa, if you'll wait on us like we're waiting on you, our hunger is going to collide with you. Go ahead, press on that veil a minute. Yeah. Woo. Go ahead and push on it a little bit. Let him know I'm not happy out here. I appreciate everything that happens in the courtyard. I appreciate everything that happens in the holy place. But where I need to be, where I want to be, where I'm going to be, before this night is over, is in the holy of holies with him. Yeah. Thank you. Come on, push on that veil a minute. Somebody pray in the Holy Ghost. Yes, we're going beyond it. Yes, we're going beyond it. We're thankful for everything that happens out here. But we're going beyond this veil tonight. If it happens in an hour, or if it's not until midnight, we're going beyond this veil tonight. Lord, there's something in these people that won't be denied. There's a determination in these people after decades of pursuing you. They're not going to be denied this close to the end time. They're not going to be willing to sit in the holy place at this point in the end time. They've heard too much about it. They've seen it happen too many times. They've seen it in the word for themselves. They are not going to be content over here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, somebody push just another minute. Somebody get a breakthrough right now if you'll just stick your foot there and push just a little bit harder. Just put your foot on the bottom of that veil and begin to push a minute. Yeah, come on. Somebody will be healed if you'll go on ahead and press your way beyond that veil. He is going to meet us here and translate us into that place with him. There's going to be a supernatural translation of the Holy Ghost in this place. And God is going to take you where you cannot get by yourself. Yeah. Ho. Ho. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. 
If you'll push, he'll get us there right now. I'm just telling you. In that mighty name. In that mighty name. Mm. Come on, there's angels moving into this sanctuary. Heaven has sent them to help us get where we got to go. We're just waiting on him now. Yes. Yeah. That's it. I heard that. I felt something ripple through here in the Holy Ghost. Somebody grabbed a hold of something right there.
I'm going to leave it up to you whether you stand or sit. That'll be your decision. You don't have to keep playing, but stay where you're at. When they rebuilt the wall, and I may have talked to you about this before, but when they rebuilt the wall, Tobiah and Sanballat came along, Brother Jackson, and boy, did they do a number. But it was all this. And it was all that talking. Just yappity, yap, 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 yap. Like a little chihuahua dog. Why in the name of God somebody would have a chihuahua? I don't know. That's the yappiness little creature I ever saw. And if the devil was a dog, he'd be a chihuahua. Mm, mm. And all you Chihuahua people, I feel you. Don't identify yourself to me. I... But I've seen dogs run out and try to stop a dump truck, barking at it. And down where I grew up, in that particular contest, the dog fared far less well than the dump truck did. And <clears throat> I've seen a lot of dogs run out and bark at a lot of dump trucks. A lot of one-ton vehicles, three-quarter ton, half-ton, quarter-ton, mopeds. But I have yet to see a dog stop a dump truck. I saw a dog one time that was so dumb he chased a locomotive down the railroad tracks. Every day when it come through, he took off chasing that train. But I have never seen him catch it, and I have never seen him stop it. All the enemy is is just a yapper. We, we glorify him so much talking about what he's up to. That trash can't do anything but talk to you. When they rebuilt the wall around Jerusalem, Tobiah and Sanballat came along and started talking trash. And there are some people that like, in sports, like to trash talk the competition. And it was a custom in biblical times um, when they would go into battle and whatever valley they were going to be battling on, one army would be on one side of it and the other army on the other side, and they would party as long and late in the night as they could stand to. And they would scream and yell and beat the drums as loud as they could to try to intimidate that bunch on the other side. Well, the enemy knows that we're squaring off on a particular battlefield in the spirit. And he's doing everything he can to intimidate the people of God. He's doing it with politics. He's doing it with pronouns. He's doing it with... Uh, and don't, don't, don't amen me on that because I may just go completely a whole different direction. I, I, my strength comes on me every time I get on that topic. So let me just stay with what I'm doing here. And so, uh, and, and here comes, ooh, I'm going to get censored. Disney and here, here comes we, this, ooh, all of this mess they're trying to shove down the throats of our little bitty children and... And it's, it's, I told you don't amen me on this now. I, I got to stay focused here a minute. And so it, here, here they come with all of this and the rhetoric and the nonsense. And it's, it's somehow the enemy's trying to send a message 
across the battlefield to we, the people of God. Who in the white, where has the spirit of David gone from? I'm, I'm not talking about David the king. I'm talking about David the little juvenile red cheek boy in the ditch when he finally realized somebody is talking ugly about our God and I've quite frankly had enough of it. I'm not interested in the spirit of King David right this minute. I'm looking for the Rudy Cheat David in the church right now. I'm looking for Rhoda that said, hey, I've seen the miraculous and nobody's going to talk me out of it. I don't care what you say. Man, it's getting louder and louder and louder on the internet. I believe it was the last time I was here. I got on some topics, so the Lord did. And come to find out, laptop screens and iPad screens froze up all over the place. Because this content is somewhat, no, this content's not offensive. And just go on and say it for the record. If you think somebody freezing an iPad's gonna shut my mouth, you've lost. All that did was make me even more tied up to the fact that I'm gonna be louder this time than I was the last time. You are not gonna shut my mouth. I don't care if that wall comes down today or not, baby. Tomorrow, I'll have my happy hips out here walking around it yet again because somewhere before that ever became an issue, I had a word. So, we done run up on the edge of the battlefield. We've been beating on our little drums, singing our little songs. And the enemy, we had the old boy intimidated a little bit. And he told that bunch he's working with, turn the volume up, son. Why? Because them people at Greater Faith are getting louder. Them people in that apostolic church are getting louder. Why do you think that there was a global pandemic, as they called it? Because the global church was getting louder. Whether you realize it or not, the church, the, the body of Christ around the world, we had picked up some significant momentum in 2018 and 2019. And the enemy was squared off across that valley waiting on us to go into battle with him. And he began to hear the beat of the apostolic church's drum. And he said, hey, wait just a minute. We can't let them outdo us. We got to get louder. So he did everything he could to silence us. Now, Tobiah and San Ballad, they done run up on that wall. And they're yelling up there and folks building on it. And, hey, come down and talk to us. No. Everybody say that. One, two, three. That's what you tell the devil when he comes up and tries to get you to come down and have a conversation with him. No. No. Not going to do it. Most of us wouldn't have near the problems we've got if we'd stop entertaining conversations with anything that's not God. Yeah, but you got to be prepared. That's right. Trust Jesus. That's the ultimate preparation. So, I told you this, I think, the last time I was here. They get them all tied up, you know, about this wall business, and, man, them folks are building a fire out of that wall. 
And so they're having a little safety meeting and a strategy meeting one night, and uh, I don't know who was in charge, but just before they closed the meeting out, some smart little fellow in the back raised his hand. He said, um, excuse me, could I say something, please? Now, the instructions that had been given up to this point was, if you hear the shofar blow over here, everybody get your sword and run to that spot because that's where they're trying to breach the wall. Otherwise, keep building. Don't worry about it. We got spotters everywhere. You just work, and when the, when the horn blows, you come to that spot, and we'll defeat them. Well, old Happy Jack in the back of the room, he, can I say something, please? Probably everybody rolled their eyes at him because this dude hadn't had anything good to say, probably. I mean, anybody that say this is just a murmurer and a complainer anyway. Yes, sir, what is your, what is your contribution to this meeting? And he says, to me, this is a profound statement. He says, well, hear all you say it. And, and I get it, and I'll do my part. I'll run down there where the little horn's blowing at. But, you know, they say that if a fox runs up here and jumps on the side of this wall, it's going to tear it down. And when I read that last summer, something hit me, and the Lord said, that, that right there was the whole issue. They didn't necessarily want them to quit building the wall. But they did want to change the conversation and the narrative that was going on behind that wall. The enemy knows that he can't ever penetrate the perimeters around the church. But if he can get us to take his philosophy back inside the church, we'll tear this thing down on our own. And so there are times that we go through seasons where Hezekiah went through them and, and the Lord blessed him with this and blessed him with that and increased him here and gave him lands and cities. And then the scripture says, and the Lord left him. And then it goes on to explain why. To see what was in his heart. And there are times that we go through seasons and God just increases and blesses and increases and blesses and enlarges the kingdom. And then all of a sudden, we wake up one morning, go back to church and don't feel anything. Well, about that same time, here comes the adversary. Hey, Come down here and talk to me. Well, right then, we're still fired up and full of faith. Now, I'm not coming down off this wall. But months and months and months and even a year plus into it. And I know none of you have ever had to go through the motions and fake it in church, but I have. I've had to go get a microphone and preach to the people of God, hoping to God that somewhere before I'm done, I began to feel what it is I'm preaching. And I have preached it until I felt it. I wore everybody else out. But I had my mind made up until I get my own personal breakthrough. I'm not putting this microphone down. And the enemy will come along after a month or two or three or ten or twelve or fifteen. And you pull up in the parking lot and he says, my God, all you're doing is just going through the same old boring motions. And they keep coming in here and everybody's walking up and down in the front praying. And the musicians are playing and the drummer's beating the fire out of them drums and the guitar man is plucking them strings and everybody's doing their thing and the praise singers are singing and it might just happen to be a song we've heard a time or a ten. And then here he comes, Tobiah and Sanballat. I wish they'd sing some new song. But on the platform he's telling them, I just wish they would sing this song. And all of a sudden, the conversation in the house of God changes. And we begin to do what humanity does. What am I doing wrong? What's wrong with me? Why can't I get a breakthrough? Why am I just feeling like I'm going through the motions week after week after week? Well, I'll tell you why. 
Anybody feel like you've been doing that lately? Be proud of it. Hold your hands up. You know why it feels like you're just going through the motions? Because you are. But if you don't keep going through the motions, you're never going to get beyond that veil. And the day you stop going through the motions is the day that the enemy has won that battle. Don't you come back in the house of God not one more day without expectation that today might very well be the day that God breaks these chains off of my finances. Today might be the day that my health is fully restored. Today might be the day that my children walk in the back door. I've got a promise. I've got a word. And today, today might be the day Yeah, today might be the day. We keep doing pre-service prayer. Church keeps starting at 6.30. Praise singers keep singing. We keep having first responders come to the front. We keep praying for the sick. We keep believing for miracles. We keep invoking the spirit of Goshen. We keep speaking prophetically about the provisions of heaven. We keep sowing financially into the kingdom. They sing another song or two. And just because the routine of service may follow a trend, don't let that rhythmic beating of service week after week lull you to sleep. If they sing three songs and then pray for the sick, invoke the spirit of ghosts and sing another song or two, don't let it rock you to sleep. That's part of the process. That's part of our duties in the courtyard and in the holy place. We've got certain obligations that we've got to go through to ever get to that veil. But if we bypass one of them, everything's going to change. You worship leaders and you singers and you musicians, don't get weary with us. Stay with it. Because one Sunday night, you're going to come in here and you're going to walk on this platform after pre-service prayer. You mark this down. You're going to walk up on this platform after pre-service prayer. And you're going to be ready to sing and open your mouths and begin to herald what wonderful songs God's given you for us to follow you in. And something's going to happen. And it's going to start on one end or the other, and it's just going to be like dominoes, and there'll be no more singing that night. The Holy Ghost is going to fall, and God is going to blow your expectations out of the water. And he's going to be telling some of us, yeah, you thought it was just going to be another round of the same old, same old, but tonight just happened to be the night that I picked to do what I've been telling you I was going to do. 
So don't get discouraged coming to the platform. Don't get discouraged, Brother Bright, teaching us new songs and new music. Matter of fact, don't get discouraged singing the same stuff because one Sunday night or one Sunday morning here or at Hope or at LC, we're going to walk in the building and something's going to feel just a little different. I'm telling you, pay attention when you drive on the property because you're going to feel it. Something is going to be just a little bit different than it was last week. traveled so much I'm just sick of it and if it was up to me I wouldn't do it anymore I'm tired I understand what he was talking about I'm tired Two hundred and forty days a year on average I'm gone from home most of them my family don't get to travel with me I get tired Tobiah and San Ballad have found me on Delta Airlines at 35,000 feet, more than you can imagine. And I don't care which area of the plane you're sitting in, be it first class or back there at the back bathroom, you're still sitting next to somebody you don't know. And I'm not that friendly, so apparently, you know, I have a lot more time of, of tr trouble with, you know, trying to chit-chat with people I don't know. I'm always afraid I'm going to say something stupid and reveal how dumb I really am. So I just put my earplug things in, turn on some music or something, and just zone out and try to just mind my own business and think about how much I hate the smell of jet fuel. Think about how much I hate hotel rooms. I don't care how nice they are. Trust me, after a while, they can't be nice enough. The only nice bed in the world is mine. And a lot of nights I end up getting home at 2 o'clock in the morning and people who travel for their work or in ministry, you know what I'm talking about. There's nothing glamorous about it. But I'm not looking for a church to pastor because God didn't tell me to pastor. He told me to do what I'm doing right now. And there are days that I've got to figure out how to do what David did. At 35,000 feet at 11 o'clock at night and everybody that you just preached to is in the bed and when that plane lands at... Fayetteville, Arkansas, Northwest Arkansas's airport, and I get off Delta Airlines and go stand on there for another 25 minutes while the only plane on the joint that's unloading people, it takes them 25 minutes to haul a suitcase 100 yards. And, and at that moment, I can't remember the miracles God did in church that night. At that moment, all I can think about is what Tobiah and Sam Ballad were telling me on that plane. Oh, my God, what in the world am I doing? I'm nearly 54 years old. I am spending the best years of my life in airports and airplanes. And then all of a sudden, here comes the Lord around, and he says, if that's how you want to see it, that'll be fine. But you're not spending your life in airports and airplanes. You're not even spending your life in hotel rooms. You're spending your life in churches. You're spending your life behind pulpits. And you, keep, you just have to make your mind up, which way is it? Am I wasting my life or am I anxiously waiting on something else? 
And a lot of times, if we're not careful, we'll get to the place that we see what we're doing in the kingdom, the repetition of it, as a waste of time. But I'm not wasting my time. I'm waiting on something. I've got a promise. There was an old priest in the Word of God that had a promise that he would hold a certain child in his arms, and he lived until that promise came to pass. I've made my mind up. I'm not going to look at it as a waste of time. I'm not going to think about all the days that I've been gone from home. What I'm thinking about is how I'm going to get my phone out and video that dead person that God raises up so my kids can see. Here's what it costs. Here's what it's worth. Do you see this? It wasn't a waste of time. God did what he said he would do. It's not a waste of time because somewhere along the way the dam's going to break. Somewhere along the way, I'm going to be standing in a church and a hundred drug addicts are going to walk in the back door and drop drugs and needles and paraphernalia all the way to the altar. Somewhere along the way, they're going to bring some drunks in off the street and before they get to the altar, they're going to be sober. Somewhere along the way, another cripple's going to get out of a wheelchair and another blind eye is going to be open and another deaf ear is going to be unstopped. And when that happens, I've made my mind up. I am going to be there. And no, we don't always run the aisles. You don't always feel like running the aisles. There ain't no reason lying about it either. Sometimes half the battle is just getting in the building. Don't feel bad. I'm not going to make you feel bad about it if all you got in you is a... But if that's all you got, let her fly. Let Tobiah and Sanballat know. I know last week I was jumping high hurdles. I know I was climbing major mountains last weekend. And I know that on this evening I'm just barely in the building. And yes, I know that there was a battle in my mind today about whether I could just stay home in that recliner and just go back to sleep and rest because tomorrow's Monday. But... You know what? I didn't do that. And I'm not going to feel bad because I thought about doing that. Yes, David did say, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And it's probably because he at least knew again, I've got an option. I don't have to stay home. I don't have to sit at home by myself. I have the opportunity to get up and go to the house of God and be in the midst of the people of God when something powerful happens. And I realize that the enemy does all he's going to do. And he, he, he loves just make us feel like we're just going in circles. We preach growth. Preachers do it. We, we preach church growth. My God. Oh, God. We preach evangelism. We preach reaching the lost. We preach it. 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 And then did I mention we preach it? And uh, sometimes we teach about it. Sometimes we scream about it. Sometimes we whisper about it. Sometimes we think about it. No, God, sometimes we dream about it. We can't get away from it. And yet Tobiah and Sanballat seem to just be the loudest voices in the room sometimes. Nothing's going to change. You've hit your high point. You've hit the ceiling. Your church is as big as it's ever going to get. No, it didn't. And if it was, he wouldn't be telling us that. What would be the need of the enemy telling a church you're never growing? If we were never growing. What a colossal waste of time on his part. 
hey, you're never going to grow. That's like coming and telling me, hey, you're never going to be 6'5". Okay. I've known that for at least 40 years. The only reason the enemy tells people that this is it is because it's not it. The only reason he tells people miraculous things are over is because they're not over. The only reason he tries to discourage us is because he knows what's ahead of us is better than anything we've done or seen or been a part of heretofore. The only reason he tells us your children are never going to come back is because he knows they are. The only reason he tells you your children are never going to be used in the ministry is because he knows how anointed they really are. The only reason he tells you you're never going to reach your city is because he knows how many apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers and evangelists and soul winners are in your city. Look today and tell him God knows some junk. God knows my junk. There are no throwaways in church services. There's no off nights. There's no off days. I don't care if we run in the aisles and just tearing the joint up. I'm talking about in our faith and our expectations. Keep going through the motions. And that, yes, let me go on ahead and be on record. And if they say something else, listen to them. They're right, I'm wrong. But there's going to be some nights you're going to have to fake it. Don't be acting like you ain't ever fake shouted at home either. I'm going to tell you something. Some of you would have a breakthrough on tonight if you just get up and fake it for a minute. Oh, I feel like that's sacrilegious. You don't feel like that in the living room at the house when you play in church. But if you'd get up, oh, I'm going to tell you, you wouldn't have to do that, but about, hey, three, oh, time. Hey, good God, something would happen. And especially if he'd help me on that. I'm just telling you, you might feel like a hypocrite for the moment, but if you'll just keep going through the motion, at some point, heaven is going to collide with your hunger and take you beyond that veil that you're tired of looking at. Hey. Now I'm going to give you some deep wisdom here. Don't fake us out with a cup of coffee in your hand. Especially not on that new carpet. Don't y'all love the way the church looks? Yeah. Hey, Shelton, you're just out of control. Yes. You should try it. We got to quit counting the cost of stuff. Just be out of our mind. We've got to quit worrying about what things are going to look like to other people. And just go ahead and just be radical. Yeah, but everybody knows you ain't got that miracle yet. <laughs> everybody say these three words. I. I. No, I want you to say them fervently. I. I. 
don't care. You look like a fool. You look ridiculous running them aisles. Everybody knows you faking that shout, baby. Everybody knows you don't feel like shouting like that. Everybody knows your throat hurts and you don't want to sing. Everybody knows all that head popping ain't real. That's all right, just keep on yapping, Chihuahua. But one day, someday, maybe today, it's going to happen for me. And when it does, I'm not going to be surprised by it. I'm not going to be caught off guard by it. I'm going to be acting the way I'm supposed to when God takes me beyond that veil. Seat yourself. See, everybody failed the test. One day, you're going to forget how you were trained to sit down when you're told to. Yeah, but we want, we want to be decent and in order. Mm -hmm. I'm waiting on the day that we just do away with announcements. Because ain't nobody listening to them anyway. Even if we're not shouting and hucking and bucking, nobody listens to them. Everybody's calling people on Monday. What are we doing this week? What time does so-and-so start? Why are we wasting our time? Life is short. Don't make announcements. Tweet that junk out. I'm waiting on the day, though, that we can't make announcements. I'm waiting on the day in the apostolic church, and it's, it's not far from us, that we can't even pause long enough to pray for the sick folks. And the first responders aren't going to be able to come line up across the front waiting on you to come down here. I'm waiting on the day that we don't have time to even invoke the spirit of Goshen with everybody paying attention. Because somebody's going to walk on this property, get out of their car, walking across the parking lot, and come unhinged. And somebody else is going to look at them and say, well, I don't know what's going on, but if they've already got started, I better get involved. And by the time we all get in here, there won't be no way to settle you down long enough to let you give an offer. By the time you get in here, they may come sing a little bit, but you won't hear it because you're going to be tearing the place up. And everybody that came in here sick will be healed before they can get in the sanctuary. Everybody that came needing a miracle will get it in the parking lot or the foyer. They won't even have need of it when they get in here. Yeah. Seat yourself one more time. <laughs> Who said that? Oh, yeah, you passed the test. Make a lap. You get to make a lap because you passed the test. <laughs> My little boy, Malachi, turned five two weeks ago, and the little brother started running the aisles in church. And he's not just running. He got that finger in there when he's running. Here he comes. Now he's like his daddy, we're a little thick, so we don't run like these more athletic people do. 
But he labors through it. But here he comes. He makes the front. And boy, he's got that hand in there. I don't know where he got it, but he's running with that hand in the air. And I'm, I'm hoping nobody clouds up on him and tells him to stop. Because I'm going to lose some of my composure. I, I'm, I'm going to get a little indignant. I've already determined that it's going to happen. Because I don't want Malachi to be 9 and 10 years old hoping that someday he's going to get that Holy Ghost. I want Malachi to get the Holy Ghost running the aisles with his hand in there. Let him run. Let them babies run. Let them shout. Because someday they're not going to play church. We were down in Brookhaven, Mississippi. <laughs> and my little brother felt his strength coming on him. His help came up on him. And I looked down from the platform. It's about this high. And I looked down. I saw the little brother. That little look he got. I'm like, Forrest is about to run. <laughs> and he took off. Well... He was able to quickly ascertain I'm not quite as athletic as I might need to be to run this whole building. Someone just cut down this middle aisle and come down to the front. So he came down front and he stood there a minute, caught his breath, and he thought, well, I probably can make it. So the little brother, some of the mother little kids took off and Junior took off again. Boy, he just around that building he's going, I'm watching him. Now, he was getting laughed. Every other young gazelle in the church was laughing the little brother, but he was steady with it. Sometimes you've got to quit worrying about who's getting past you. Sometimes you've got to quit worrying about who's running faster than you. You've got to worry about who's shouting louder than you. Stop all of that. Just keep doing your thing. I, I don't care what he's doing or what she's doing. Just find out what you do and do that. So the little brother made the laugh back there, and here he comes. And he was breathing hard when he made that last turn down there. And he come across the front, and he tripped. But that hand stayed in there. Now, his mama's over here in the third heaven talking in tongues and carrying on and such, so she didn't see all of it, thanks be to God. And Junior just spilled right out on the floor, hand in there. He gets up, and I see him saying, I'm okay. <laughs> well, when he got up from the floor, I thought, ooh, he's pretty winded. I bet you he's going to be thirsty. And he's coming up here for a drink. Sure enough, he come right past the platform, made a hard right, run up on that platform, high-fiving me on the platform. <laughs> Do you think I deterred him? No. I'd rather Junior be on the platform high-fiving me than me having to take him out in the foyer and help him with another kind of revelation. And I said, what are you doing, son? He said, I'm running the aisles, Daddy. Is that okay? I said, yep, it's all right, buddy. I need a drink. I'm going to run some more. Okay, son. So I gave him my water bottle. And about that time, my wife looked up and was like, I said, it's, I said, it's okay. It's fine. Sure enough, he got him a little drink, got his wind back, and off he went to run the miles again. Today, he reported in, Daddy, I ran the aisles at church today. Do you have your hand in there? Yes, sir. He's just going through the motions right now. But when God gets ready to fill him with the Holy Ghost, well, he's too young. No, no. Uh-uh, baby. Eliana Autumn Joy was five years old in the bedroom at our house beside her bed going through the motions saying midnight prayers. 
and all of a sudden that Holy Ghost settled down in there and while she might have been going through the motions he was too and heaven collided with her and God filled my five-year-old baby with the Holy Ghost yeah that's right yeah go through the motions these kids ought to learn respect for the house of God. They are. They're learning how to behave in the presence of God. It used to be the norm that apostolics ran the aisles. And when the Holy Ghost falls on Malachi, it is my belief that he's going to get it before he's six. Sister Emily Nichols, I'm, I'm believing it. I'm believing Junior's going to get that Holy Ghost before he turns six years old next March. I'm waiting on a phone call that my wife's going to call me and tell me. He made the lap, had that hand in the air. When I looked up, he was talking in tongues. <laughs> Brother Shelton, it don't happen like that. Oh, yes, it do. It does at my house. That's exactly how it happens. We just do what we're supposed to do, and heaven does what it's supposed to do. I keep going through the motions, and God is faithful. If I'm faithful to do my part, he's faithful to do his part every single day of the week. And just because you don't see what he's doing, don't discount him. Don't write him off just because you don't see it. If you've got loved ones that you're praying come back to the house of God, what do you want them to find you doing when they get here? They may be bound up for years with all kind of spiritual bondage. We've been telling them at the Thanksgiving table and at Christmas and every other occasion, God will set you free. Yeah, I, I hear you, but I just don't believe it. Well, what do I want my baby to see me doing when they get here? Sitting on my seat like God can't do it or on my feet acting like God can do it. When they make their mind up and finally walk in the house of God, let faith be what greets them at the door. I think he quoted it earlier, be not weary in well-doing. First of all, be not deceived. My daddy carried a handkerchief in his pocket for years, his back pocket. That generation, they had a handkerchief right back there in the old hip pocket, you know. And Eliana, when she was about three, four, it was quite the game. She'd run up and she'd, he'd leave the corner of it sticking out of his pocket. Well, Eliana would run up and grab that corner of his handkerchief and just take off running with it. Just waving it in there. She thought she'd done something. One night, my dad went and got some of my mother's old pantyhose. Some of you young people don't know about that, but they went and got some of them old pantyhose. And them country people take pantyhose. I mean, this recycling stuff, all these young people come up in here with their tight clothes on and short pants and talking about we got to recycle. We've been doing that for a long time, Sparky. Sit down and be quiet. You don't, you don't have to go down here to Bath and Body Works and buy one of them little net things that you put soap in. Panty hose. Can I get a witness? Oh. You just take those panty hose and cut the legs off of them. And take them little bars of soap that's too little to really wash with that just make you angry. 
and start sticking them down in them pantyhose. Lufa, my eye, we had that law. Hey, we were talking. Mm, I got to go back now. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, don't you? <laughs> and I'm telling you, you can, you can just scrub the fire out of some nasty flesh with them pantyhose. So anyway, Daddy went and got some of the pantyhose Mama had. She's going to make loofahs out of, I guess. Headbands. I mean, you can make a headband out of a pair of pantyhose. Hey, don't knock the pantyhose wearing. They've been robbing banks with them for years. And so, <laughs> oh, God. I done run off the rails again. So, Dad cut them legs out of about three pairs of pantyhose and he tied them end to end. And then he tied them pantyhose, <laughs> one end of them pantyhose onto the one corner of them, that handkerchief. He tied it real securely and had that handkerchief sticking out of his pocket. Well, here come sweet baby running through the house. She'd been spying that handkerchief on <laughs> Sister Brighton in a minute, and she's fast. I mean, that child is fast. And she she darted past him and grabbed that handkerchief and went to giggling and running. And she ran out there with about 200 feet of pantyhose. <laughs> and she got to the end of it, realized she was tethered to Papa. She turned around, looked at him, she said, I'm tired of your chicken ways. I wonder what would happen to some of us if maybe we could just turn around and tell whatever's been bugging you. You know what? I've had it with your tricking ways. You're not lying to me no more. One of these days, I'm going to hit the jackpot. One of these nights, my family's coming in. One of these nights, my husband's coming. One of these nights, my wife is coming. One of these nights, my health is going to be restored. Hey, I'll tell you something. You may not believe it but you just keep clapping them arthritic hands. My mama's got arthritis. My great-grandma had it and her fingers just kind of turn a little bit with it, you know how it is. Mama can't clap like she used to, because it hurts. She claps just with them palms. And can go for days. I'm waiting on a report on that deal too. I won't be surprised, not one bit, if one Sunday or midweek, Mama's at church doing her little palm clapping. And all of a sudden, something begins to get a hold of her. And without realizing it, she starts clapping like she used to. And then by the time we get to the lunch table and look down, her hands look like they did when she was 25. I'm going to tell you something. If you'll get in the right posture, God will do some junk when it's time. But you got to quit listening to the enemy. I've got to quit listening to the adversary. God is not always going to do it on our time either. And I can tell you for a fact, there have been more days than I would like to admit that I've told him, hey, today would be a good day for you to come through for a brother. And he don't. Not like I wanted him to. Well, what I'm going to do, quit. Mm -mm. 
I'm not turning back now. Mm -mm. I've got to make it to heaven somehow. And so the scripture says, be not deceived. Don't let the enemy trick you into believing something that's not true. Don't let him change your conversation about what God's promises are. Don't let him change the narrative at your house. Don't let him change the narrative in your ministry. Don't let him get you to talking about things as though they might not happen. That's all the brother's really trying to do is get the people of God to quit speaking life to the circumstances around you. And I've heard preachers say, yeah, but my prime is slipping past me and my best years of ministry are behind me. No, they're not. You're still north of the grave. You got time. And whenever God says it's time for your ministry to bloom, that'll be the best days for your ministry. Anything else would have been too soon. And don't forget the sovereignty of God. God knows when to hide you and when to reveal you. He did tell Noah, you want to see my power? Build a boat and get in it. Then a few generations later, he tells Pete, hey, you want to see my power? I do. Get out of the very thing I told Noah to get into. Don't, don't, don't try to hem God up into doing it the same way every time. His sovereignty is not within question. His absolute sovereignty is exactly that, absolute. God is sovereign, and he can do what he wants to do, when he wants to do it, how he wants to do it. Quit putting perimeters on it. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. If we put that in our modern terminology, it'd be God is not going to be made fun of about this deal. Remember, the scripture also says God is not a man that he can lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Another writer said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread. Look to your neighbor and tell them there's a payoff. Tell somebody else around you there's a payoff. This is not for nothing. I'm not living the way I'm living in vain. Somewhere there's going to be a payoff. If it's eternity with him, that'll be plenty. But I'm going to tell you this, if you'll stay faithful, God will start revealing some things to you on this side of eternity. If you'll just stay in the game, God will meet you on the field and God will do things that he promised you he's going to do. But if you throw your glove down and get mad and walk off the field at the last moment, it is not going to come to pass. Years ago, the world was run by a generation of people who walked to work every day, for the most part. People who came through the Depression, people who learned what sacrifice was all about. And through their success and their faithfulness to not quit walking to work, we now ride to work. If it hadn't been for some old pioneers taking covered wagons and coming across the country, and no telling where we'd be right now. If it hadn't been for somebody willing to drill oil wells with steam machines out in the mosquito-ridden woods of the south and across different places, we wouldn't have some of the things we've got now. 
But because somebody figured out the only way I'm going to have something is if I stay with it. The only way I'm going to get where I'm going is if I don't quit going. We wouldn't be where we are now. Now the generation of the world we're in now, it's pushing a button and pushing a button. And if that computer don't work fast enough for us, if the Wi-Fi is too slow, we get frustrated with it and shove the computer back, close it down, and just go do something else. And just about the time we get up and walk away from it, it pulls the page up that we were waiting on. In the kingdom, it's not that generation's behavioral patterns that we need to emulate. It's that old generation that went and plowed and, and worked in the gardens and the fields and, and they picked cotton and they hoed cotton and they planted cotton and they harvested hay by hand. And I'm not telling you go out there and buy a farm and live off the grid. That's not what I'm telling you. But that same tenacity and commitment to be faithful to the duties in front of me, I don't care if you feel like praying pray anyway. I don't care if you feel like running the aisles, run them anyway. I don't care if I feel like singing, I'm going to sing anyway because someday scriptures are going to be fulfilled. That's just all there is to it. Be not deceived. God won't be mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he reap in due season. If he, but you never tell him I'm not passing out. Mm -mm, this ain't the day I'm gonna fall off the wagon. No, sir. I'm not quitting today. Bear Bryant down there in Alabama left Arkansas to go coach, coach the Crimson Tide. What in the wide world was he thinking? Anyway, he did it. But he made a statement one time. He said, Winners never quit, quitters never win. And as, as infantile as that may sound for the kingdom and non-spiritual as that may sound, I'm going to tell you something right now. If you quit now, you'll regret it for eternity. Go ahead, throw the towel in. Well, I'm just, I'm just kind of, you know, I know. I've been there too. But if I got to crawl in them back doors, that's what I'm going to do. If I got to pull up under the awning, which is beautiful. Everything y'all have done around here is so spectacular and beautiful and You've done it with such excellence, and I honor all of the effort, labor, and finances you've poured into it. But if you've got to pull up under that and tell somebody, go get me a wheelchair, but you're not crippled, nope, I'm tired. Get me a wheelchair. Then get in here in a wheelchair. And don't stop at the back. Bring that puppy on down to the front. I remember watching you worship through health issues and health issues and health issues. But you kept doing it. Losing weight, not feeling good. Losing weight, not feeling good. All kind of stuff going on. I don't even know what all it was. But tonight, here you sit, probably beyond the expectations of some of the medical experts that were tending to your case. But because that brother wouldn't quit getting out of his seat and coming down here, and some nights, it was just doing a little bit of this. Some nights... I remember some nights some of the young men ran for him because he didn't have the strength to do it himself. But you're looking at proof of what I'm telling you. If you keep being faithful to what you're supposed to do, just keep going through the motions, baby. Just, just keep going through the motions. And God, I mean, look at him right now. My God, somebody, that, that's all it takes. Just keep showing up and keep going through the motions. Yeah. 
Back in December, uh, is that right? Yeah, the early part of December, I got a call, and uh, it was from Sister Katie Herod, and um, she had just left the doctor's office. She had texted my wife and I needing to call, and when she got home to tell her husband what the doctor had said about the baby that was due three weeks and when they went in I got the pictures on my phone when they went in and did all the tests the baby's head was not the way it's supposed to be and her normal doctor was out of town and it took her she said a little bit of time to get her composure back uh, to be able to even leave the doctor's office it just rocked her and the doctor told her, he said, or she said, uh, I, I don't, Miss Herod, I don't understand why nobody's told you this before. This child, you, you need to go home and talk to your husband because y'all are going to have some major lifestyle changes to make because this child's, there's some severe issues here. Well, it just floored her. She goes home, tells him, and they call me. Well, I was sitting in a restaurant eating with a preacher in Alma, Arkansas at the great Cracker Barrel. And I'm going to tell you something. There's an anointing at Cracker Barrel you can't find anywhere, anywhere else. And, uh, ooh, hallelujah. And so, don't be hating on Cracker Barrel. I hear you. And so, they called, and I'm sitting there with this preacher, and she starts telling me all the stuff, and, and I'll spare all the details to it. But finally she said, and, and he had just heard, so he hadn't had a chance to kind of get gathered up. And she finally, she said, Brother Shelton, what do we do now? Do we just receive this and start making preparations for it? And I'm just telling you, something got on me. I, I, got, I got mad, and I kind of hit the table. I don't think they heard it, but I said, No. No, well, some of the people around me heard it, and they're looking at me, and, and, and I said, no, we're not going to do that. Can you tell me that you've got a word from God that this is the case? No, sir. So the only word you've got right now, and I'm looking, I got the pictures on my phone sitting there looking at them. It wasn't like a we think, it's right there. She said, no, we don't have a word from God that we're supposed to just accept it. But I, I just, I said, then we're not going to receive it. We're going to keep speaking life over this, and we're not going to plan for the birth of a child that's got these challenges that they're telling you your child's going to have. We're just going to keep right on planning for the baby that's on the way. The one you've been believing for for nine and a half months, eight and a half months. That's the one we're going to believe for. And unless God says otherwise, that's what we're going to have. So that was Monday. The doctor called a specialist that deals with those kinds of births and those kinds of situations. And they went to see the specialist. And we, they called me and we prayed before they walked in the office. They're out in the parking lot. We're praying. And um, they walk in and they have their appointment. The doctor runs all the same tests that the other doctor had run. Comes back in and says, well, I, I don't even know why y'all are here. Thank you. 
They said, why? She said, there's nothing wrong with your baby. She said, I've run all the tests they run. You can look at them. There's nothing wrong with your child. So from Monday to Thursday, a couple of parents just kept on being faithful. God had not given them a word that there was going to be a problem, so they stayed true to the word they had. All is well. What I'm trying my best to get across is they wept on Monday night going to sleep. They wept on Tuesday. There was anguish on Tuesday night. There was anguish on Wednesday. And somebody called and said, do you think you might ought to tell her, don't go to the platform and lead worship tonight? I said, well, I'll pray about it. But the Lord spoke to me. He said, don't change anything. Don't let her off the platform. Don't tell him. Because my, my flesh was like, you know what? You guys need to stay home tonight. Stay home. Rest. You got this appointment tomorrow. Y'all pray. Spend some time together. And the Holy Ghost said, that's not what we need to do. The walls are still standing. Tell them to get up and go march around that wall. Now, hold on a minute. I know sometimes we think God's insensitive. He's not. He's insistent. Because he's convinced of his own word. He knows he hadn't lied to you. And sometimes we don't understand why God demands repetition because he knows he has not lied to us. And so I, I called him back. I said, you know what? No, we're not going to cancel anything. They're going to let, let her sing, let him preach. And they did. And Thursday morning when they come out, there was no end of shouting and rejoicing. And right now that baby was born on Christmas morning of all days. Can you believe it? Just as normal, no problems, no issues, no nothing, excelled in every test they run on newborns. Everything is just like the Lord wanted it to be. If you'll stay faithful to him, he is going to be faithful to you. I promise you that. You just, you just, I, I know some days it's like dragging a log chain behind you. But just keep doing it. Some days we don't we don't want to get up here on this platform and sing. But for God's sake, just keep doing it. Some nights you don't want to play the organ. You don't want to play the piano. You don't want to play the drums. You don't want to play the guitar or the bass guitar. But do what God's given you to do over and over and over and over and over. And he'll count that as seed unto you. And there will be a harvest. day it's going to be when Jesus I shall see but until I get there I'm going to do what I'm called to do until I get there I'm going to keep being faithful you're going to take Louisville by storm just for the record, you don't have to wait on Dillard's to come through to do it. I mean, for God's sake, we might could have a tent meeting right out in the parking lot. We don't own the joint, but we'll rent the parking lot and just go out there and have church anyway. You don't need Dillard's to have a breakthrough in this city. You don't need another building anywhere in this town. You got everything you need right inside of you to turn this valley upside down. The Ohio River Valley is in for a move of God. 
Because there are nights that you come in here and it's off, isn't it? Can I get a witness? Some nights you come in here and think, what in the world? Can I get a witness? Some nights everybody ain't on tap. Some nights something just don't feel right. But that does not change who God is. That doesn't change what I'm going to do. I don't care if they can't sing on key. I don't care if they can't play the same song the singers are singing. It don't matter to me if y'all start singing, here comes Peter Cottontail hopping down the bunny trail. I don't care what you're doing. I have a responsibility to some promises that God's made me. And you cannot infringe on what I'm going to do in response to God's word. Period. So, when you come in, you need to test them people you're sitting with. You got to test them. You got to learn how to do a sanctified survey. Hmm. Here's how you do it. You're not timid, are you? You ease up on some timid person in the building. Or somebody that's just boisterous, always wants to be the center of attention. Walk up to them, Poe, I'm, oh, can I sit with you? And if they act a little squeamish, keep on moving. Find somebody else and get, are you timid? Find an issue. Find somebody and just sit down by them, just real slow, just. Don't bother me, I'm here on a sanctified survey. <laughs> Hallelujah! And if they don't act right, if they freeze up, that ain't your role. But you gotta find somebody that'll just go eight nuts at the drop of a hat. You, you need to find the nuttiest individual in the joint and make your mind up, that's what I'm gonna sit by. You got a wild look about you. And you get over there by them and you just kind of put your hand on them and start talking in tongues. Pop that head back a little bit. Ain't nobody even on the platform yet. The singers are yet in the seats. Woo! Brother Jones, he's going to do something tonight. Ooh, Chanda Ebo. Ooh, I feel it coming, Brother Jones. And all of a sudden, you'll find out who you can sit by. It won't take long. And if they don't act right, you can't sit with them. I don't care if it's your mama, your granny, your auntie, or your uncle, or your papa. If they're not acting right, because tonight might be the night that Swing Low Sweet Chariot comes by where I'm at. And God might be on tonight going to do what I've been waiting on. And I'm not going to sit by some twice dead joker that don't want to move a God. I mean, walk up in here and ask somebody, can you remember where he brought you from? If they look at you and say something crazy like, what? That ain't where you're supposed to be sitting. I got time on you. This ain't real spiritual. Walk up to somebody and tell them, praise the Lord. They look at you. My mama used to answer the phone like that. Praise the Lord, you can't gossip to people that say that. Saints call my mama's house. They be talking about Sister Betty Shelton. I need to call her. Praise the Lord. Oh, I call 
called the wrong house. I can't talk trash to her. You need to walk up in here and find some wild-eyed somebody and sit down by them and just tell them, praise the Lord. And if they don't act right, you can't sit there. You're not going to sit with me? No. Why? you twice dead and plucked up by the root. He's coming by. And it might be tonight. And I can't be harnessed up with some deadhead that's not waiting on him. I can't be hanging out with somebody that don't have their mind made up. I've got mine made up. I'm going somewhere with him. And tonight might just be the night I get beyond that veil. Sit down. <laughs> you get to make another lap. I'll wait on him. My God in heaven. Run another one. I dare you just keep on trucking, brother. <laughs> brother Shelton, I can't believe you're doing that. Oh, yeah, you believe that. I'm not going to tell him to sit down. I ain't going to tell him to stop. How many times he going to run? I don't know, but he's probably going to get beyond that veil before some of the rest of us do. Yeah. Oh, God. Run, brother, run. Yes. Y'all don't run over my little brother. He's running for Jesus. Brother Shelton, what are we doing tonight? We just making noise on our side of the valley? We're letting that trash over there know we still here. We still in this fight, boy. Don't you don't don't mistake that. Mm -mm. Still in the fight. Tell somebody I'm still in the fight. I've been beat up. I've been whooped. I've got scars and cuts, but I'm yet in the fight. I may be swinging with one hand, but I'm I'm swinging. They get that arm broke, I'm gonna kick you. Break both my legs, I'm gonna roll over you. But I'm gonna stay in the fight. Paul said at the end of his days, I have fought a good fight. He did not say, I've done a good job. What he was saying was, I have been involved in a worthy struggle. And the fight for my soul is a worthy struggle. The fight for promises is a worthy struggle. The scripture says Abraham paid tithes unto Melchizedek and God counted it unto his, uh, blessed it unto his third and fourth generation while they were yet in the womb. What you do today is going to benefit and bless generations of your family to come. Don't you let the end, this ain't just about you. This isn't just about you having a breakthrough. This may be one day your daughter's going through hell on earth. It may be one day your son's feeling depressed and suicidal. And there's going to be a seed that you put in the ground one night at greater faith. 
and that seed is going to come up and in that moment that your child needs it, it's going to produce fruit and something miraculous is going to happen and the phone is going to ring and somebody's going to tell them, don't pull the trigger. God still loves you. Where did that word come from? It came when my mama was on the front row in church of greater faith. It came because my daddy wouldn't quit going to church when he didn't feel good. When the money was not there, they kept going to church. When there wasn't no gas in the car, they kept going to church. Why? Because somewhere back along the way, they realized if I'll be faithful to him, he has no choice but to be faithful back to me. So it don't matter if I'm running or I'm crawling, if I'm leaping or I'm dragging, I'm gonna be faithful. Tell somebody I'm going to be faithful. Ooh. I'm about to go to my seat. But I want the singers to come back, musicians. One of these days, not far from now, pre-service prayer is going to lose its name. Church is not going to start at 6.30 anymore. Church is going to start at 6 o'clock. You are known all across this country and yet even the world for your pre-service prayer and how powerful. You'd be shocked to know how many preachers talk about how powerful the anointing is in here in pre-service prayer. There's going to come a day here not long from now that you're not going to be able to shut it off at 6.30. And it may just be a 14-year-old kid sitting somewhere in the building that don't know it's time for church to start. They are going to be under the mistaken revelation that church started 30 minutes ago when we got here to pray. God is not going to call you to prayer and not reward you for doing it. He's not going to call you to a life of holiness and separation and not reward you for doing it. He's not going to call you to be praisers and worshipers and not reward you for having done it. He's not going to require that you present yourselves unto God a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. That's your reasonable service. He's not going to require that and not reward that. But if I get out of the game now, I'm going to miss it. He's probably still going to do what he said he would do, but I'm not going to be here to see it. And I have not done what I've done, as little as that may be, to miss out, Brother Jones, on the day. I got family that not serving God, and I'm yet believing they're coming back. I, I'm believing that my wife's unsaved siblings are coming. I'm believing that mine are coming. I, I, I'm thinking about everybody in my family. I, I'm, I'm thinking about my mama's arthritis. I'm thinking about uh, Eliana and Erica and Malachi. And I, I'm thinking about their children, should the Lord tarry. And I'm not going to just preach because it's what I do. I'm going to preach because it's what God is going to respond to. I'm going to be faithful to the house of God when I'm not preaching because that's what God's going to respond to. When I'm running the aisles and I don't feel like it, I'm going to be thinking about my grandchildren. When I'm dancing in the aisles and I don't feel like it, I'm going to be thinking about my neighborhood. When I'm worshiping God and being faithful on midweeks and weekends, I'm going to do
do it thinking about the Ohio River Valley because my faithfulness is what God requires. And if he requires it, he's gonna reward it. I'm not gonna listen to Tobiah and Sanballat anymore. I'm not gonna let them change the narrative. I'm not gonna let them change my conversation. Now, I want y'all to sing that last song you were singing. There was something powerful in that. I thought we was going to go beyond the veil, Brother Shelton. Well, some of us already have. Everybody on board with all this so far, say aye. All opposed by the same sign. Motion carries. We're in agreement that every single promise God has made, He is going to do it. My wife and I have a need. We need the Lord to do a work that only the Lord can do. She's watching. So I'm telling you, Jennifer, you just keep doing what God called you to do and you pray like you're supposed to pray and tomorrow we're going to find out everything really is okay. The devil has beat me up all day today. You should be at home with her. She needs you there tomorrow. But she didn't. What she needed was him. And my faith in him is such that I can speak that word of faith right here. And tomorrow afternoon in Fort Smith, Arkansas, God's going to have already taken care of it. God knows. God knows what he's doing. Faithfulness is not something that we do just when we feel good. And I'm telling you, you, I've been here when it's like from the minute the first person got on this property that morning, it just vibrated all day long. And, and I remember some of those Sundays that being four or five services a day going from work to work to work and then back here on Sunday nights. And, and I've been here on some days where it was just kind of tough. Been here some nights when you ran the aisles with such intensity and worshiped like mad people. And then I've been here other nights where it was just like, well, at least they're here. The point is, you stayed faithful. Even when as a corporate body you went through some things that weren't easy to go through. Even when the enemy challenged individuals and the corporate body, you stayed faithful. Say that, I've been faithful. I haven't been perfect, but I've been faithful. Could I have done a better job some days? Possibly so. 
most likely, but I'm still here. I've been faithful. The Lord was reminded by the angels, these are your people. How long, how long are you going to let this happen? And the Lord spoke and a few verses later, he, Scripture says he was, his anger was kindled against the enemies of the people of God. And he told them, he said, I only gave you permission to go this far. And you took it further than I, let you, I told you to. I'm telling you, the dam's about to break around here. Brother Shelton, you're just, no, I'm not. I'm not just saying that. God may have withdrawn himself from you over the last few months. You've been going through a renovation process and just all kind of stuff going on. But you've been faithful. You've been faithful through no carpet on the floor. You've been faithful through bathrooms torn all to pieces. You've been faithful. You'd be shocked to know how many times churches go through construction projects and people just quit coming to church. Half the church will just quit coming. But you've been faithful. You've been faithful individually and as a corporate body. And I'm telling you, I'm sitting over there tonight and this one verse of scripture kept coming to me and the phrase that just keeps coming to me all night is, I'll be faithful to them. You tell them, I, I've seen them. I've been aware of it. I've watched them be faithful. I've watched them weep. I've watched them wonder where I was. And yes, I pulled myself away from some of them because I needed to see what was in their heart. And they've been faithful. So now I'm going to join myself back to them. And I'm going to honor them. And I'm going to reward their faithfulness. That's what he told me over there. I know I could have said that earlier, but look at the fun we've had. Lord, you see them. Here they are. Where they've been for years. Waiting on you pursuing you, being faithful to you. Honor them. Some of them have come through just tremendous valleys, tremendous challenges, tremendous battles. But you've been faithful to them. And they've been faithful to you. So Lord, honor them. Start tonight. Restore them, renew their strength. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength, so renew their strength. They've waited on you. They've waited on you. Because after all, where else are we going to go? Where else are we going to go? We know that. Lord, sometimes we gripe and complain, but thank you for being so patient with us. You, you remember that our frame is just dust. Lord, do you hear the spirit of your people tonight? Look beyond the flesh and listen to the spirit of us. We're crying out for you. We need you. We're thirsty. We're hungry. We're tired. We need to be fed. We need a drink. We need to be renewed and restored. Yeah, that's it. Come on.
That's it. Come on. Come on. You're doing it. You keep worshiping and praying while they sing. 